Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, and this is Patty Holstrand, and this is KWAD Radio, and we're on the air live, and we're here again, thank goodness, and we're going to be talking to the winner of the 2012 Epic eBook Award for Sci-Fi, and of course, as most of you know who are my peeps, Sci-Fi, Fantasy, uh, my, my big genres that I just happen to love, so I saw her covered, very intrigued, and thought this would be a perfect fit for you peeps who love the same things I do. Christine Amson is the winner of the 2012 Epic eBook Award, and the, also the 2011 Global eBook Award for Science Fiction. She has been writing science fiction and fantasy for as long as she can remember. She loves to write, and it's her dream that others will be inspired by this love and by her stories. Speculative fiction is fun, magical, inventive, imaginative, but great speculative fiction is about real people defining themselves through extraordinary situations. Christine writes primarily about people, and it is this way that she strives to make science fiction and fantasy meaningful for everyone. So with that, I'd like to say hello to Christine. Hi. Thank you for having me on the show. <laughs> no problem. This is, I was doing the introduction. Hopefully you could hear it. Yes, I can. Okay. <laughs> I told them a little bit about you. Said um, I left the you know, your other things that when you were younger. Um, uh-huh. So you want to tell us a little bit about you and how you got started writing? Um, well, I've always been a writer, really. Um, I I can remember writing since I was a little girl. I wrote my first. Uh, short story at the age of seven or eight involved Cabbage Patch Dolls going to Mars. That's all I actually remember about it. I, I can't. I don't have the story anymore. It's one of my, those things that I regret having lost. But um, yeah, always, always writing, and it's always been science fiction and fantasy for me. Um, I now I spent oh, I spent hours every day. I get home from school um, when I was a teenager in junior high and high school. I would come home and I would write. Um, then. It, in in my 20s i went to a uh a boot camp with orson scott card 
mm-hmm. and that was in 2003. And I consider that the point when I got serious about writing. I, I, it was almost a whim. I wasn't, you know, I was, I was kind of in one of those, you know, things where you are when you're 20 and you don't know what you're going to do with the rest of your life. My All husband right. encouraged me to, to audition. It worked out. I went. Orson Scott Card, by the way, is a wonderful teacher. I don't know if you like his books or not, but he can he oh, can yeah. teach. He he <laughs> just has a he has a great presence, and I found him to be very inspirational. And when I uh, left that that boot camp, I knew for sure this is going to be what I'm going to do. So. Wow, that's awesome. And you um, you live where now? I live in Olathe, Kansas, which is outside of Kansas City, uh, for those not familiar with the area. Right. So that makes it. Now, you weren't born in Kansas. Where were you no. born at? I was born in St. Louis. Okay. I, uh, my first novel actually was set in St. Louis. I moved to Kansas City with my husband shortly after we got married. He got a job here. And so the immortality virus is set in Kansas City 400 years in the future, but in Kansas City. Yeah, and and we do write about places that we've been, so that's what we've done. Absolutely. <laughs> Except for those of us who write about Mars, which we can only speculate, right? <laughs> well, then then you have to use your imagination a little bit. There's nothing wrong with that. But if I'm going to write about something here on Earth, I prefer to go with the place I've been. The, the when I've traveled and I and I do like to travel, and it all it never ceases to amaze me how how each place has its own different flavor. And you can't really capture it unless you've been there. And I and I'm not even sure that visiting for a little while is always enough. I'd prefer to be saturated in it. So I set my stories in the Midwest. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely. But you know, running historically uh, would mm-hmm. be kind of an issue too, because you have to you're assuming certain things might be about the same, but uh, you know, it could be somewhat different now than it was, you know, a couple hundred years ago. Oh, absolutely, and uh, whenever I read, I, I read historical romance sometimes. I read all different genres. You never know what I'll have read. Um, I'll read historical romance sometimes, and every author kind of has a different spin on it. Like, but 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 then that's but then when you're writing historical fiction, it's almost like writing in a different like it's almost like writing in a different world, just like science fiction and fantasy. It's one that did exist, but none of us alive today were there. So in a way, we have to imagine what it was like. Hmm. That's awesome. Now, what makes your book different that uh, that got the attention of the for in order to get the 2012 Epic Ebook Award for Science Fiction? Well, the judges didn't tell me exactly why they picked it. I'm glad they did. Um, I think what the, this book has is, I think this book asks a, a compelling question because everybody, well, almost everybody thinks that they'd like to live forever or be eternally young. And the book, it kind of takes that question and says, okay, well, let's say this happened. But I couldn't come up with a particularly good resolution to that. I I, I didn't think that that would be as good. It's like, be careful what you wish for because you just might get it. I don't think that that's actually what we would want in the end. So I wrote that, that point of view, which is pretty different from what you get nowadays. Everybody wants to write about vampires and things i think that we're all caught on the, you know what i mean we're caught on yeah. the idea of of wanting to live forever and and you know don't get me wrong i i certainly don't want to die either but but i think that that it's one thing to imagine that a single person is going to live forever it's another thing if we then let everybody do it because mm-hmm. then where's the growth and where's the change 
Yes, exactly. We we don't contemplate. Okay, yes, it'd be one thing for a, a certain group to live forever, but if all of us uh, mm-hmm. live forever, then uh, you, you're absolutely right. There's there's no incentive to do anything really. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, no incentive to grow. You don't you know learn from things because um, you you have a long time to you think. Oh well, there's always tomorrow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And the next day. And the next day. And the next day. Well, right, and I think the children promote change too. It's it's through the next generation that really promotes change. So, you know, so if you've got, I, you know, that with it's a balance, of course. Mm-hmm. But when when I think of of immortality, I, I I guess I try to think of the entire human race living right. living on past me, as opposed to just myself. Did you have uh, so that way they wouldn't have children, and that's why you didn't have a generation. No, no, they 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 do they do have children, but um, this now okay in the book, it's actually eternal youth is is what I've given them. I haven't given them true immortality. What I've done is that I've released a virus in about the year 2050 is when the virus gets released in in my timeline that stops the human aging process. There are a number of theories about aging, about what makes us age. Some of them are t- are um, tied to our genetics. Um, some of the theories that I was reading about suggested that there's actually a gene that triggers aging um, that basically starts the process of decay and death. And so I developed a virus, and for the sake of fiction, that would turn this off. So children can be born and children can grow, but at about you know sometime in their mid twenties, when that gene would normally trigger the the slow ride down to death, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't happen. So everybody it looks like they're about in their twenties, um, and they don't die, except for the people who were alive before this release. Then they kind of look like whatever age they were at the time. So I call them old timers. They might mm-hmm. be in their fifties or sixties, and and they're kind of a standout part of the population. Now they can die from accidents and things, and there is quite a bit of violence to just try to make space for everybody. Mm. So people so people right. do die, but it's sort of now it's sort of a competition for that true immortality because it's in some people's grasps if they have the means, if they can, you know, if they can keep from dying accidentally. So but there's competition for resources and there's crazy population growth just because, you know, there's there's nobody dies, well, nobody dies naturally. Right. So yeah, so that's kind of the the world that I've created in a nutshell. Now, I would think that some people would consider this an, an, a really good way to, uh, you know, to have a world. I mean, if you really think about it, if we're all eternally young, I mean, um, yeah, you don't consider you don't consider ramifications of everyone having the same the same issue. <laughs> well, and and you know, some people have have disagreed with my premise. Some people think that 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 maybe that probably it wouldn't that maybe it wouldn't work out this way, or or you know maybe it would really be great to be eternally young, and we'd find some way to work it out. And you know, who knows? Maybe they're right. We all have our you know when it comes to science fiction, mm-hmm. it's it's all how you want to imagine it. I tend, to, I do tend to think, unfortunately, that the human race is a little bit selfish. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's very selfish, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, maybe we'd put out laws saying you can only have one child, and actually I introduced this idea in the book, but that people don't really listen to it. People people want to be eternally young, and they want to be able to have all the children they want to be able to have, and they want to, you know, they want it all. 
Right, right. Because if we get, again, if we get older, we can't have children as, as easily, so we foresaw that. Uh, but when we're young is when we all say, well, yeah, we can have children now because we're young. And if, if you mm-hmm. don't if you don't age, you, I guess, don't ever have to uh, get, you don't go through menopause. <laughs> oh, no, but, but women are only born with so many eggs, so they run out. Oh. So, and I and I do yeah. So I do address that in the in the book that even they don't. They, you're right. They don't actually go through menopause, and I don't get that specific. But they don't. But there is a time when they really can't have children anymore. It's probably it's much older than where it is now. But the the time does come. And I wonder if you thought about okay, you know how some women have babies who you know like on a regular basis every year. Uh-huh. Um, they, they get worn out, but. You're saying that if they're eternally young, would they even, I mean, it would still wear them out. Having too many hmm. kids around, it still, I would think, still wear them out. It probably would. I you know, I didn't specifically think about that case, but you're probably right. It, there there would probably be a lot of wear and tear on the body from that. It's it's possible it could make them susceptible to, to some kind of illness and I that they could so. still succumb to that. <laughs> Never know. And that's what's cool about what if, you know? Yeah. I, I do love what if. Because <laughs> <laughs> hey, I go to uh, science fiction conventions, uh, science fiction and fantasy conventions every year, and mm-hmm. now participate in them. And uh, you see, we sit in rooms and talk about this, these kind of what ifs all the time. You know? mm-hmm. uh, so have you ever been to science fiction convention? I have not been to a. I have not been to a science fiction convention. I I always want to go, but there's. They're never local, <laughs> and I uh-huh. never have them, you know. And the money just never seems to be there to travel to them. So yeah. I've, <laughs> you know, if, if I'm lucky, lucky, are, guess I'm lucky. I have them here in Phoenix, so uh, we have several of them. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, no, there's there's one that comes through the Kansas City area, but it's more of a. Uh, it, it it strikes me as more of a comic book thing. Oh, yeah, one of the yeah. Comic Cons, yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it's called, a Comic Con, and and I'm, it's not really me. I would be the one in the back in the room doing the what if panel. <laughs> what if? <laughs> well, see, actually, if you look at it, um, the Comic Cons have grown beyond the comics, as they actually have uh, a lot a lot of panels there, and I was really surprised. Because I went to uh, a big one here in Phoenix, and of course I've, I've, I've seen one at San Diego, and they've got a lot of panels on the what ifs and and outside speculative fiction is a broad range, and uh, huh. so these they, comic cons, yes, it's it's originally for comic books, but it's not just for comic books; it's for people who love to go to those kind of you know what if. Uh, science fiction, fantasy slash, you know, horror slash whatever. Um, anything geeky, apparently. Huh. <laughs> maybe I should, maybe I maybe I should give it a chance. I mean, what would it hurt to go? If especially if it's local here, I just uh, like I said, I had gotten the impression that it was more of a of a comic book thing. So I had I not really gone. You should check it seriously because uh, you being a local author, uh, and of course now that you've won an award, you definitely should definitely seek that out. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> no, it's no problem. It's no problem because again, we've got several of them here, so we um, 
we buy for each other's attention. We have the same group of, uh, pretty much the same group of volunteers at work, all of them. Uh, uh-huh. So we, we kind of already know who each other are, and I've been going to them for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, I, I learned, uh, I, I met my first authors that way. Um, met Ray Bradbury, I've met uh, Jaden Ronberry, uh, actually mm-hmm. interviewed him once, so it's you get chances to see these kind of people, and it does help. To, like you said, you met Orson Scott Card, and of course he's uh, what I consider, uh, you know, a long time ago to be enough and coming. Now he's definitely there. Um, oh yeah, he, <laughs> just, he's knocked off all the old guys, and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and now he's up at the pinnacle. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. He might have gone over the top a little bit. A couple of the last books that he wrote, I don't know so much about. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I love his stuff. I love yeah. his stuff by and large, but, um, but yeah. Now he's uh, actually speaking of which, um, his Ender's War is actually coming to the big screen. Uh, for real this time, because there have been rumors for over a decade now. <laughs> now for real this time. Real this time. Okay. It's yeah. So um yeah. Yeah. I remember him talking about it when we were in, when we went to the boot camp it was one of the questions everybody wanted to know when's the Ender's game book coming out or a movie coming out and he's telling us about why he's in negotiations and what some of the problems were apparently the movie studios wanted to cast Ender as a strapping 16 year old that you know and he he I believe yeah, correctly yeah. said that wouldn't work with the with the character that he tried right. to create. Yeah. Uh, the problem with you know, being on on television or movies are that you pretty much as an author have to let it go, mm-hmm. um, and he's apparently not letting go. So, <laughs> well, no, and and actually, I I completely agree with you. I think that's that's a brilliant observation. I I you know, I'm I I don't I don't usually like the movie better than the book or the show better than the the book, whatever the case is. But I think that it does work best when the author. Let somebody else take the idea and make it its own because the book and the movie they're such different mediums. Yeah, yeah. They don't. Exactly. I mean, they can, yes, you can take inspiration from a book, but I don't actually like just dramatizations of the book. I'd rather read the book. I can get into yeah. the characters' minds that way. It's a lot more fulfilling that way. It oh, was sure. a problem with. Yeah, it was a problem yeah. with each and every Harry Potter movie. You know oh, that I know. they tried to just. Just yeah, exactly. They just try to dramatize the book, but every so often, um, the well, Chronicles of Narnia. Well, we're we're talking recently about that issue with the uh, you know, mm-hmm. Harry Potter series, and mm-hmm. they had to cut characters because you know yeah. we we can have you know you know so many characters in a book, but in the movie you really can't have that many. So they no. want to they wound up grounding um, by doing that. They wound up having uh, you know, one of the characters say something in a movie that typically not her in, within her character to do so. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh wow, what did why did they do that? And it's oh because they cut out this other character who actually said the words, you know, actually mm-hmm. said the, you know, said this. So because they had to cut them out, they had to give that that line to somebody. <laughs> well, and now what what I would say though is why do they necessarily need that line at all? Why don't they, you know, if if they've got to cut a character, then they've got to probably come at it from a whole different standpoint and think, okay, we're going to mainstream this story. This is basically the story we want to tell. Now let's set the book aside. We've got about a two two and a half hour movie. 
We've mm-hmm. got, you know, you've, of course you've got to have the main three characters and, and some of them, but but I don't necessarily think that every single thing has to happen the exact same way. Oh, I agree. In this, in this yeah. particular case, so I'm not sure I, they, I, could, I, they could have done without it. That's just maybe I'm not sure exactly what line you're talking about. It's been a while since I've seen the movie, so. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's always stuck in my head when I saw that and I said, oh, okay, if they would have gotten rid of it, then mm-hmm. how would the, how would they have moved it forward? And so it's, it's those questions on whether or not they could have moved the movie forward without those particular lines. So, uh-huh. yeah, okay. Maybe they should yeah. have left the ghost in in order to tell this because uh, that's uh, that's who they cut. They cut one of the the ghosts who caused most of the trouble in the in the books. Oh, they did. They call oh uh, the poltergeist yeah. Peeves, Yes, actually, that was a. <laughs> That was a. I, yes. By doing so, um, he's the one that slipped, slipped the uh, information on the uh, Chamber of Secrets. Okay? Right. So they wound up, because they cut peas out of the entire uh, series, uh, they they had to get that line where you know somebody asked a question about how you know what is Chamber of Secrets. So it's like if you don't have that question, whether or not you can really move the story. They wound up giving it to Professor McGonagall when really was not within her character to to say anything yeah. to children about you know about something that's potentially hazardous. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Now, actually, Professor McGonagall in the whole, in the movies, I found that she was very consistent in the books, but I found that in the movies, she she did kind of end up being sort of a character who who did whatever needed to be done sometimes. Yeah, I, so that's, that's where you have a problem, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you change the character and because of the fact that you change, you know, certain things in the book. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, those kind of things, it's like, wow, okay. So in some cases you really can't move it forward if you don't have no. certain characters that you cut out. Well, I'd like to think that if, if anybody ever did want to make my book into a movie, that I could kind of you know, take my financial cut and just, you know, I, I I would certainly, you know, be an advisor if they needed to be, but I would not, I don't think I'd want to be on the set. I think I would just want to see it when it came out, just like yeah. everybody else, because otherwise I would be too tempted to go, oh, but that's not what I meant by that, because it doesn't matter what I meant by that anymore. It's no right. longer my interpretation. <laughs> right, right. They pay you to technically not even be involved. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. My involvement stopped at the words that I wrote, and that's that's the end of it. So, <laughs> yeah, I know that they that they they gave uh, Stephen King like you know they they always got him to do cameo roles. Oh, but, I know that was kind of fun though. <laughs> yeah, but you wanted to find out where where you're going to see him. Same thing mm-hmm. with uh, you know uh, with the Spider-Man movies and all and all the. All those movies. We wanted wanted to see when uh, Lee would show up, so he would always have a cameo role in there. So it's fun. It's fun to find out well, where the authors or the creator is going to be in there somehow. Yeah. So anyway, that's it's nice to know that you're you're are thinking perhaps that you know you might sell your story to uh, to a movie theater, a you know, movie company, or a television series. Do you think it would would work in television? Uh, television, I don't know. I, I think it would make. I think it would. I think this story would work on the big screen um, more than more than most of what I write. I, I often, 
Well, and I don't want to say I didn't in this particular story, but I do often really try to write inside the head of a character, which, like I said, is what I think books do well. This particular book, though, it even though I um, I think that the world itself is almost a character, uh-huh. and I think that could come to life. No, I, I'm serious. I think it could come to life on the on a big screen. I, I think that they could really show that. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't know that all of my books would necessarily like my first book was Touch of Fate. It's a paranormal mystery, clairvoyant. What's going on in 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 her world is in her head. I don't even know how you'd show in a movie. I had people telling me, "Oh, this would make a great movie," and I'm thinking, "Is that like the standard line you're supposed to drop just because you read a book you liked?" I don't think so. I do not think that. No, seriously, I don't think that would make a good movie. The Immortality Virus. It's got some action. Uh, it's got some fast-paced action scenes. It's got a, a world that that. Um, is like I said, partly what I think is the character. I think that would easily translate on the big screen. What you would miss in, um, you know, in that in-depth character knowledge, I think that they could turn around and add even more just by giving you the visual. Hmm. And then so, now, uh, that's it. That is a thought. Not every book should be in the theater. Mm-hmm. Not every book should be on, you know, on the uh, television. So I no, agree. no, they shouldn't. <laughs> So it's oh. good to say that one, and, and I would agree, one movie, um, you know, uh, action and it is would be really good for the big screen. Mm-hmm. So that might very, very, very well be a good fit for your book that you have now. So that's great. It's great that you mm-hmm. can you think about that. I'm going to do a little business here and let everybody know that the guest call-in number is 714-242-5145. That's 714 714- Two four two, five one four five. I don't have to be the only one that's asking questions. So you guys, I know you guys are there. You just need to actually uh, physically call. Okay. Now it is a long distance call, so you want to use your cell phone unless you don't mind the the, <laughs> the minutes. And if you don't have that, you also chat. So there's a chat down below on the front screen. I got there saying that we will be starting in nine minutes. Obviously, that's been a while, so I'll be putting information on there um, about the book and and about Christine here, so that we guys can take that and run with it. So, if you have a question and you can't call, just please write it down on here, and I will ask her. So, with that, I want everyone to know where to find you. So, give us that information now. Um. You want me to? You want me to tell you my web address? Yes. Or uh, it's www.christineamsden.com. My name is spelled C H R I S T I N E A M as in Moss S D as in Dog E N as in Nancy. And I have. <coughs> yeah. Dot com, correct. Yes, it's dot com. Then the name of my website is is into the dreaming. So you should see that come up at the top of your screen when you see that. And I've got I put everything up on my website. If it's not on my website, it's probably not important. All my books. I have a blog. <laughs> yeah. I review I review books on my blog. I also do tips for writers on my blog. I, I do have my own news when it's when it's relevant, but I don't clog up my blog with just news about my own stuff mm-hmm. because you know. That would probably be boring. I don't always have something to say, <laughs> but because um, I know that you're 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 on a virtual book tour, 
and um, we were already on uh, online the other day. That's why I knew about your cover and read about your information and said, okay, this is definitely something that, you know, people who uh, read my newspaper and, and talk to me and, you know, the peeps that I, taught, that I have around me would definitely get into this kind of story. So that's why I wanted to in- interview you. Okay. Oh, I appreciate it. Um, and I, let's see here. I was on your website. I'm looking for the chat window so I could actually type it in just for anybody who. I already did it. Oh, you already did. Okay, that's yeah. great. That'll that'll save me the so have to time do for half. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Oh, also on my website, by the way, I have the first chapter of both of my published novels, so you can you know get a feel for my writing style and and see if that's the sort of thing you like even before you buy. I've got a whole new series coming out um, next year starting in February that's an urban fantasy series, and I'm going to have information on that soon. I've got a page for it, but there's really not much there there yet. I don't even have the cover art yet. But as soon as the cover art comes out, I'll put that up. I'll put up the first chapter. Again, I always put up the first chapters of my books. It's it's just a – it seems so like an easy way to – to hook people. Kathy <laughs> Scott series? Yes, the Kathy Scott series. That's exactly okay. it. Um, and that's uh, that's ongoing. Um, it's a four-book series. I am actually working on the fourth book right now. So one of the things that I, I like about this, I, I read series often because I do read a lot of fi- fan- fi- fantasy and science fiction, and they usually come out a year or two apart so that you have to reread everything. <laughs> this, this series is actually... The first one's scheduled in February. The second one's scheduled in July. Don't have a firm date for the third one yet, but it's into the publisher, and I'm actually expecting it probably by the end of 2013. Ah. So they're going to come out right back to back. Yes, uh, definitely. I, I yeah. liked your, your first line. You said, my parents think the longer the name, the more powerful the sorcerer. So they named me Cassandra Morgan, your your, Cassandra your Morgan, of... Ursula Margaret Scott. Yeah, you can there call you me Kathy. <laughs> I love that. Yep. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to tell you the truth. Before I, I wrote that those first, that line, those those first two sentences, I can't. I, I kind of got this spark of informa- uh, in, inspiration. I went into my computer. I wrote those first two lines, and then I outlined the rest of the book. <laughs> but those first two lines stuck. I loved them. Not everyone has. I've gotten some people who are like, eh. But I I think that it sort of sums up my character right there in two two sentences, <laughs> and kind of gives you an idea of where I'm going. There you go. Although the first time I wrote it, I I was gonna do I was gonna make her a boy, and I called oh. her Nicholas. Yeah, the first time I wrote it, it was I was Nick it was Nicholas something or other. You can call me Nick. And then I'm like, no no, I I don't want to get into the head of a guy. I I don't want to play that. <laughs> I'm a girl. I'm a woman. I'm gonna stick with female main characters. <laughs> So. Yeah, it, it, all the men would say, "Well, that's kind of, you know, not really what men think, you know." Um, maybe, and maybe they're right. I, I don't know. I, I always have men if I try to write a, from a male point of view, telling me how men think, and I think they probably all think differently. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I write in a couple of different people's heads, and, and, uh, but the weird thing is, I've, I've got a, a, a kick butt lady who. Uh, so I wind up having men who like the book. Uh, most of my uh, my fans are men. Uh-huh. So I'm going like, okay, how did that happen? This is this is mostly romance. So how did that happen? <laughs> you know, men I think are into romance. I think some of them are in the closet about it. <laughs> but, yeah, 
<laughs> they say, well, no, this is time travel. Well, okay, if you want to call it time travel, it is time travel. But, uh, but so, you know, it, it was romance. It's called time travel romance. He's like, no, 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 it's time travel. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, well, if they want to be that uh, with, with the series I've got coming on next year, it's it's a fantasy and it's a mystery. You don't have to admit to the to the romance in there if you don't want to. <laughs> but personally, I'll just tell you, it's my it was my favorite part to write. So. <laughs> well, you know they love they love people. You know, character driven, and and you know that's what everybody wants to read. Mhm. Yeah. Um. And I remember once upon a time I was. Had met Ray Bradbury, and he says that he's he's not really a science fiction writer. He claims he is actually a people writer. I like that. I like that. That's <laughs> that's kind of how I feel too. I I get um, well um, with the with the immortality virus. Uh, I I published it, and then I had all kinds of people, uh, you know, in, in early interviews would be like, so. Have you always wanted to write dystopian science fiction novels? And they just pigeonholed this book into this tiny little niche. And I thought, well, I didn't even realize it was a dystopian story until you said so. I mean, it com- completely fits. I get that. But but that's not really wh- what I was thinking. I didn't think, hmm, I want to write about a really horrible world and uh, just see how miserable I can make people. That was not where I came from <laughs> with this idea. And I didn't I, – I wrote it about people. And this is unfortunately where they went in this story. I don't always write about things that are quite so dark, and I tried to put just a little bit of light in it, a little bit of humor, but it was it was dark. So, so yeah, I I do. I like to write about people, and I think that's a much better fit for what I I would say I write to than than science fiction or fantasy because I hop through the subgenres anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I was talking recently about about this, and that we really don't have any one single single genre anymore. Um, I think it's because readers really, you know, want to read something that is not just not just fantasy. I think they want to read something that's fantasy, Armageddon. You know, they they, they want to read uh, something that's a little more across the board, some different genres. So we don't just have one genre anymore. It's Mm-mm. every book. Every book you could probably classify in three or four or more different genres. I think that's great, though. I, I think it makes for more yeah. complex and interesting stories. Yes, definitely. It, unfortunately, the you know for for a long time there, the major publishers didn't understand that. Major publishers tend to be a little bit behind the the curve. <laughs> I think on a lot of things, they're they're primarily business people. You know, and and as business people, they're not they're not into launching the next great artistic. I mean, they if they knew for sure what it would be, I'm sure they would love to. But all they know is, okay, when we sold books last year, this type of book sold this many copies, and this type of book sold this many copies. So I want more of this type of book. Exactly. That's, that's what a that's what a businessman does. So um, I think that's a big reason why I ended up with a small publisher. Twilight Times books, yeah. when I was looking for publishers, the thing that just struck me was they said they liked cross-genre. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's me. <laughs> yeah. And and that's where a small publisher is actually uh, making better headroads. Um, mm-hmm. That also, that, that they also embrace the e-book faster. They do. Uh, I I finally got an ebook reader just recently myself, so I'm finally up up on it. But when I go online, what amazes me is books from major publishers. The ebook mm-hmm. costs as much or more 
than the paperback. Yes. And I'm thinking, you don't even understand what an ebook is for, do you? They don't. <laughs> they, they're, they're still fighting over it, you know. I, I think they're afraid of it. They're afraid that if they start oh, releasing yeah. ebooks, then people are just going to steal the books right and left. I don't know. I don't know that I think that's going to happen, especially if if you make an ebook a reasonable cost. I think people are perfectly willing to say, "Hey, okay, this is an author I like. I don't mind giving them a couple of dollars." You know? Sure. And the, the thing is, they don't grasp the concept. Is is the paperback and hardbacks have been you know resold and and uh, you use bookstores for years. That's, that's true. That's they've never, that's they're true. never seen a dime from them. No, and just get loaned back and forth. How many people just have, uh, you know, my yeah. mom and her sister and her sister-in-law, for as long as I can remember, all three of them, they bought one book and they'd all three read it. So, Right. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, if you really think about it, that that's the same thing that they're worried about. It's I actually like, think that, that you might sell more copies as an e-book, especially if you get that cost down to a good price point, because every. You know, everybody wants their own copy on their own device. They right. don't tend to, sh- you know, share those back and forth. Maybe with your husband or your wife or something like that, but, but not, uh, not generally. So, you know, and if you ask you, people are going to steal it. Okay. <laughs> you know what? I'm thinking if you care enough about my book to steal it, I'm a little bit flattered. Not a lot flattered. I'd really rather you buy it, but, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, exactly. at least a little bit flattered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's why I say, you know, uh, my son says, well, you got all these books in the back of the car, Mom. Were you worried about somebody going to steal them? Hey, if somebody steals them, that means they were worth something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I would probably say, wow, you know? that's it. I could be able to write it write, I'd be able to write it off because it's my business. So I said, well, first of all, I'd be able to write it off. And then the second uh-huh. of all, i say, wow, if you want those, maybe you should pay for these, you know? Uh, <laughs> But, yeah, that's yeah, it's just too funny how uh, people think. But yeah, the, I said I honestly don't think that unless unless you have a, a crazed librarian, um, will, will I have a problem with anybody stealing all these books out of the back of my car? <laughs> no, no, no. And uh, and just a just a little plug. I'll I'll just put this in here. The Immortality Virus is actually ninety nine cents for this book tour. Uh, as an ebook, obviously okay. not the paperback version. That's more, but uh, Kindle and and Nook both, there you go. both have it. Ninety nine cents right now. Definitely had to get that in for sure. Yeah, and I'm not sure if that's on your website or not. Let's see, it, I think it is. I'm. Oh, you know, I took that down, and then I need to put it back up. Uh oh. Okay, my website isn't as up to date as I thought it was, but. I will I will take care of that after the interview tonight. <laughs> but it does link. To, it the links are still good. The links go directly to those pages where you can get the ninety nine cent books. I just don't have it up on the top of my website where it needs to be that it's currently on sale. There that's, you go. That's, well, so. hey, that, that I just pointed it out for you, so that way we can make that happen. That's Thank good. you. <laughs> okay. I, I appreciate that. I, I was going to give them the the link if that was the case here. Uh, okay, I see where it's got the the little. Okay, so everyone it says available in paperback and ebook formats, and B and N, Amazon and B and N. Yeah, they're BNN all. is both. They have both on their website on the same page. Amazon separates them out, so I had to put two different links. The one that says Amazon just goes to the paperback. The one that says Kindle goes to the ninety nine cent version. Yep, and I've got it. So I'm going to put that right on here. That's how fast, how fast we can do it. 
<laughs> there we go. So everybody can click right on there and get your 99 cent copy right now. Um, and again, remember this is a, this is an award winner. So you guys need to you know, get. And I can definitely say if it's award winner, it's going to, it's going to be in the movie theater uh, or at least a TV TV movie very soon. So you guys need to read it now. I would, I would, it would be nice. I would, I would love for that to happen for for this particular okay. one. I, you know, it reminds me a little bit of a movie I I recently saw uh, about the time where they had to, you know, everyone could live until they're 25, and then they die, which is a lot more morbid if you really think about it. I mean, it's just a lot more gruesome to think that everyone's going to die at age 25 unless they kept borrowing time from somebody else or were able to make enough money or were rich enough. Um, I, I saw the trailer for that movie and I meant to see it and I never I have I have young kids so it's hard for me to get to the theaters uh, and then after it leaves the theater I stop thinking about it that did sound like a very interesting movie you need to check it out because it's, it reminds me of your book um, but mm-hmm. you know obviously with with you guys they're eternally young and they do have these these people who are in in the different sectors uh huh so, like for instance you know as if you're up, uptown people and downtown people. Uh-huh. So, so each people, based on their economic structure of where they live and how much money they make, what, there's no money. It's now all time. So uh. it's, that's a commodity now. It's no longer a matter of, okay, so when you buy something, it's a matter of, okay, how many minutes or how many hours is it going to cost you? Hmm. So when they're going from one sector to another, it costs them months, and then when it goes to the last one, it costs them two years. Huh. On, on his, of his life to get into the next sector. So it's really interesting for that. It definitely, uh, it, I think you would find it very fascinating. Yeah, that definitely definitely sounds like something I would enjoy watching. And got the, but they got the violence and, and all that going on, especially for the people and people who weren't making, you know, an, enough time instead of money. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, they had to big borrow and steal and kill in order to get you know time from somebody else. Um, but then you you have the uptown people who were in sector twelve who who had uh, centuries. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I it, it definitely sounded like it had some some uh, similar themes to to what I have going on in my in my uh, novel. So and so, uh, so I thought, well, hey, that just those just show you that people are interested in that. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think the first time I saw the trailer, I turned to my husband and said, "They stole my book." <laughs> but uh, obviously, no, they took a different angle. But but yeah, there's different some similar angle. themes going on there. <laughs> yeah, there are some similar things, and and I'm not sure how good the movie did. I know that uh, it was up against quite a few uh, very heavy hitters, so I don't think it did as well as it could have. And and but it's very unusual considering that science fiction lovers typically go to almost anything science fiction. That's true. Yeah. So, uh, uh, which would explain why I went to see Prometheus and then I hated it. So, uh-huh. <laughs> it's because we go to see it. Doesn't mean we're going to love it. Yeah. <laughs> I I do I do the same thing. I see I see shows just because it's sci fi or fantasy and and I want to love it and, it and it doesn't always work out that way. Yeah. Exactly. I think I think. Oh yeah, I want to go see this because you know science fiction. And it's the way the science fiction really should be, you know. 
And uh, and then it's like, wow, man, they just totally blew it. <laughs> and there's so many reasons why, you know. And then and then a bunch of us get on Facebook and or, or you know we see each other here and there and like we're, we're talking about how bad and how how messed up they made it. So. <laughs> so we have expectations, and uh, that doesn't we don't not always. I like it when. I think, you know, I don't really have, I don't think this movie is going to do well, but you know what, I'm going to go see it anyway. And then I'm pleasantly surprised at how good it is. That's 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 fun, you know? Yes, it is. Yeah. It, it really is. And you think, well, okay, you had low expectations. Is that a good thing? Well, I don't know. I had more fun at the end. <laughs> I don't know. You know, sometimes, sometimes, um, not everyone knows how to one thing I think is not every concept is is easily um summarized in a few lines, you know, yeah. and some so you get some movies where they've they've really it's really good story but but then they don't really know how to explain it to the public, and I think right. I see this with books too so and i th- I think that's what problem they had with the the time movie that we're referring to mm-hmm. um because. I don't think it was explained uh, or understood by the masses. So that seems very uh, likely. Science fiction people will go and watch it. Um, I wound up having to wait until it came in, in, uh, on the DVD. But um, when uh-huh. I did, I, I watched it twice because I wanted this. Because you know how it is when you see something and you say, "Oh, I got to see this again because I, I missed some things and." And uh, mm-hmm. now I know what the end is. I want to see the foreshadowing. You uh-huh. know, getting so uh, yes. you have to watch it twice. <laughs> so Sherlock Holmes. I don't know how many times I had to see it. It's just like okay, I know I missed some stuff because they <laughs> well, just <laughs> Yeah, well, that's Sherlock Holmes. So yeah, you're almost he he's 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 supposed to be the only person to catch all that stuff that quickly because the rest of us are well yeah. <laughs> just not that smart <laughs> as you can tell that his brain is thinking about these and you're going okay I can't see what you're thinking mm-hmm. so what is it that you're that you're obviously pulling some pieces together and I don't see them yet so um that's what's cool about writing reading a book is that when when he sees when he suddenly gets this idea and starts putting these pieces together, we actually hear it then. We're not we're yeah. not having to wait, you know, thirty minutes later when they actually start showing us all these little pieces. That well, you can try to follow. I I don't know if if you are you uh, you were talking about the movie Sherlock Holmes, but they've got the new series right. Sherlock. Um, I only got a few episodes. I'm wanting to. Is that kind of different? I've seen. It's it's good. It's uh, I think it's made by at least one of the writers. is is the same as one for um, uh, uh, Why am I just completely totally blanking? Doctor Who. Doctor Who. It's the same same writer as Doctor Who. I'm thinking I've got a TARDIS sitting here on my desk. Why can't I think of the name of this person right now? I, I do actually. It's a USB port. It's shaped like a TARDIS. It makes the noise every time I plug something in. Anyway, um, yeah, it's made by the same writers, and you can kind of tell it's kind of got that feel. Sherlock Holmes and this movie actually reminds me a bit of Doctor Who. But when you're watching it, 
you know, he, you're, he's looking around, he's looking around, and the camera will zoom in on the things that he's noticing just really quickly. And sometimes they'll, like, even put up words up next to it. So, you know, if you're following it, I guess you can stop and, and rewind a little bit and then <laughs> see if you can put it all together. Yeah. <laughs> but it's fun. Definitely. And, and, and that's, of course, you've got enough action. Um, and so sometimes the action, you want to see it again. Uh, over and over, and you wind up catching things that you you didn't catch the first time. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's like, oh, yeah, okay, that's why we did that. Mm-hmm. And and so then it all makes sense. Yeah, uh, it makes sense. So I, I happen to like seeing movies two or three times when I first see it if I really like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I can see all the pieces. So I really think that uh, you you have something, and um, I sure hope somebody else sees it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do too. I appreciate the vote of confidence. <laughs> and I'll probably go ahead and, and get your ebook because uh, I think it's again be interesting to to find out how you um, how you saw that world and how you resolve your immortality issues. So I would be very interested to see how you did that. So um, I would definitely be downloading that just so that way I can I can find out. I know you're not going to give me any clues. <laughs> uh, well, no, no more than I already have. So, <laughs> yeah, she's already had. So, like, you force me to get the 99 cent book. I know, I know. So, I, I'll definitely do that because I actually find that on my cell, on my cell phone, on my Android, I uh-huh. read more now because I don't usually have too much time. And uh, if I'm forced to read the printed printed book, sometimes I I just don't sit down long enough to do that. So I have the phone with me if I'm stuck somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm waiting for somebody or some, you know, waiting for dinner, you know, whatever. Um, and so I actually have time to read now more than I had before <laughs> on the phone. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, I think the ebooks are are really great. And uh, well, I I got the I got the Nook and I got. Just just recently, I wasn't sure that I was going to be able to see it. I don't. I, it hasn't come up yet. But I'm legally blind. I, I when I write my books, I type them in 36 point font, and then I reduce wow. it to send to my publisher. <laughs> yeah. So what I like about the Nook is on its largest setting, I can actually read the book. I mostly listen to books on audio. But when I got this a, a couple of months ago, for the first time in a long time, I could actually you know read a printed book as opposed to listen to it. So that's mm-hmm. been really exciting for me because I can get some, uh, well, I'm, I'm a book reviewer too, so I can get some pre-release books and, and read them on my Nook. I can I can get it right up in my face, it, and and the, the it's big, and it's not like reading on a computer. That's one of the things that it took me a while to get my mind around. I don't, I don't know about the Android ad or the cell phones, but the e-ink, is not like reading on the computer. It does not have the pixelization problems. It does not give me the headaches. Mm-hmm. So, okay. so it's really, it's yeah, it's really a great way to read a book, and it's so lightweight. <laughs> it's yeah. actually, e- it's actually easier. I've heard a lot of people say it's easier than reading a paperback. It, it's been a while since my vision was good enough to read a paperback, but I think it is too, from what I remember of, of that. When I was a teenager, I read so much, and I didn't care that it was 
awkward to hold the paperback open while you were trying to read, you know, the middle of the page as it's going in toward that, um, yeah. the, the binding, and you break the binding of the book in order to read it because there's just no other way to do it. Well, so. you know, when, when I design books, uh, which is what I do for a living, um, mm-hmm. I make sure that the words aren't eaten by the binder, binding inside. Uh. It drives me nuts when I open up a book and and there's so much margin on the one on the sides and and you've got words being eaten in the middle and you have to crack the, the the center in order to be able to read it. It's like no, no, that's not the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> oh well, you know that's a that's a great idea. I just know that a lot a lot of books uh, you know are like that. Uh, so. That's because they want to get more, they, they want to get more words on those pages. That's why they're cheap. <laughs> well, no, and it's probably true to, to reduce printing costs. I just had to grab a copy of my paperback to see how the margins are. I think they're okay. I think that, that they did okay on my. I mean, it's good. No. Good. Cause I, I, I do. Yeah. I look at that and say, oh man, I should have done this or that. But um, that's just me. It's just way way I I look at things and think, oh well, I would have done it a little different here and there. You know, kind of like people do with movies. Um, I do uh-huh. that with books. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, just to let you know, uh, because I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't let you know before, uh, I am the managing editor of Connotations Newspaper, mm-hmm. which is a speculative fiction newspaper. Mm-hmm. And so if you wanted to send me one of your books, it would be a printed book, because a lot of my reviewers are still old-time and uh-huh. don't really like to read the books in the ebook format. Um, uh-huh. They haven't come at a time. So if you think about it and you want a review, if you need a review, may not need one. But um, we would definitely welcome that because uh, we could have somebody you know, do a review that's in my on my staff to do that. So okay. this one I can let you know that uh, I'll be giving you just to let you know what the uh, uh, you know where the where you can find that online. So you know, as I'm I really do have a newspaper. So <laughs> I no, I believe you. <laughs> Most people are like, oh, what, you still have like a printed newspaper? Well, yeah, so actually we have both. Um, because, we ha- again, I think it's important to, to keep with the, the printed version. Uh, in it for those who really like the feel of opening up a newspaper and uh, reading it. And so I think with niche, newspapers are still very, very much in demand. Mm-hmm. And it's been around for 22 years. No, that's something that to uh, be proud of to, to keep around. Absolutely. So, anyway, with that, um, I want to know a couple things. A couple people asked me real fast questions here. Uh, we're getting close, close to your hour. Um, one is your habits of writing. Do you write every My, day? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, every day. I Well, sometimes the weekends, not so much, but... I even even then I'm thinking about what I'm working on. But yes, I absolutely sit down and write every day. Um and if I'm not working on a book actively, I'm editing it or I'm writing blogs, posts or I'm you know, doing all kinds of different things every single day if you it's like exercise. You have to do it every day, you know, to really, you know, or you have to have yeah. I guess you have to have a set schedule. That's um, definitely true. Mhm. So, do you? What do you do? Would you? Uh, do you have a special place that you like to write the most? I have a study that I I use to write. 
it's I, I, it's not as I, ideal as I'd like it to be. I actually um, share it with my husband, and so we have competing messes on the desk. But it, it's it's my space. I can close the door. Um, I write well during the school year when my when my kids are in school. During the summer, it's a little harder to carve out time, but I always do it. I sit down in front. I, I sit down in front of the computer to do most of my work. But I do, you know, it's a creative process. I do some of my work writing, or while I'm while I'm taking a walk, while I'm going to the gym. Uh, actually, walking is a great way to just. It's like, oh, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I get up and I walk around the block and I come back and a lot of times I've got it. So, and <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do. So, sometimes when you're yeah yeah, if you're beating your head against a uh, against a wall, it's time to get up and find a different wall. So, <laughs> find a different wall. That's great. Mm-hmm. So that that's one one thing is that came up that somebody asked me and I'm looking at my uh, hang on here Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, are you on Facebook? Yes, yes, I have. Uh, uh, Christine Amsden author page is on Facebook, and uh, actually, I'm just on Facebook just regularly too. I'm I'm on I'm on Twitter. I'm on Goodreads. I'm on my thing, but I don't go over there very often. Um, <laughs> And uh, I, I have my email address posted on my website. People can write me. I, I will answer. I I love getting emails, actually. So good. That's a funny question. They want to know how to find you social in social media. Mm-hmm. Um, they, so obviously, you definitely use social media for your marketing. Yeah, it, it almost exclusively. I. You know, with my first book, I I did a lot of the rounds. Uh, I went and called physical bookstores. I got my book in the physical bookstores. I did book signings there. I found that I would reach, you know, five to ten people at a time. It wasn't getting it wasn't getting the message out nearly quickly enough. With my second book, I learned a lot. Actually, I went to one book signing in a physical bookstore during during the Immortality Virus release. Everything else has been virtual book tours. Um, mm-hmm. And it's worked a lot better. It really has um, getting, you can reach more people. You can do it from the privacy of your own home. <laughs> it's, 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 really, it's really the way to go, I think, uh, nowadays. Which isn't to say I wouldn't do a physical book signing. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I would be a lot more picky about it. You know what I mean? Because it takes, you know, it takes time and, and, you know, gas, money, and, and it's... More sense. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that the conventions uh, locally here are starting to do, which actually I know what I started to do, is uh, virtual book, virtual uh, guests. So mm-hmm. that way, those especially who are out of the area, um, I had the one who was from England, and of course, obviously it costs us way too much to bring him in. Uh-huh. Um, so I said, okay, well, we'll have a virtual, you know, virtual panel with you know, his mm-hmm. him being guests of honor. So uh Ramsey Campbell was supposed to be on, on our our list for that. So it, it, I'm expanding by having that so because we've had people from Illinois and, and some authors there and who just can't make them you know, it's just like well, I have to say my entire family and we just uh-huh. don't have that kind of money. So it's like, well yeah, it's understandable. We don't have the money to pay for you to come either. So Oh no, no, I completely understand that. I there's there's other, I, and I'm hoping to to, I'm hoping in the future to be doing some of that too. I I'm 
just got made aware of something called Google Hookup or something like that, where you can, you know, yeah. be on a video conference with, um, you know, a hundred people and do, you know, uh, they can chat with you and ask questions and and that sort of thing. So that's some, an idea I'm I'm thinking about for my next book release. Definitely, um, definitely. There's a couple of uh, a couple of services that that have uh, rooms that you can have a uh, hundred or more people. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's defi- definitely where you can hit more, you know, obviously get outside your area. You're not stuck mm-hmm. with, okay, first of all, the person needs to know, okay, it's be a certain time. Oh, mm-hmm. i got to drive over there. And is it worth driving over there for that author, you know? Oh, absolutely. And just, yeah. you know, and locality is not necessarily the audience I'm looking for either. I mean, my book is set in Kansas City, but it's not – it's not for people who live in the Kansas City area. It's it's really for a certain type of person who likes speculative fiction, the people who ask yes. what if. And those those are everywhere. So Yes. Which which reminds me uh, it's one uh question has come up recently because I do speculative fiction newspaper. Um mm-hmm. I had some people say, Well, you know, some of the some of the things that you have in the paper are not speculative fiction and going like what are you saying? It says speculative fiction is a broad area. It's it's widely it's a wide a person who reads speculative fiction is somebody who is widely read. I mean, I would they think read, so. They read a lot of things, mm-hmm. and because they they love the idea of being able to read outside of you know it's not just science fiction, it's not just fantasy, it's not just horror. I want to read more about things that that are on the the grays, you know, the gray things on the the matter on the other sides, mm-hmm. uh, and so. Speculative fiction is very broad, and so you know, I thought the idea of speculative fiction is not to narrow you and not to, not to put you in a box. <laughs> well, well, no, actually, I was trying to describe what speculative fiction was to somebody, and I was trying to say, well, you know, it's it's the fiction that asks what if, and she's like, well, doesn't all fiction ask that? And I'm like, well, yeah, I guess it does. <laughs> so then I didn't know exactly how to describe speculative fiction, but I, I, I think that um, a lot of us have that that. That kind of basic idea that that, that the what if is is usually uh, uh, about something a little I'm, extraordinary. Yeah, but. I don't think I don't think that every story has a what if. I mean, I've seen some uh, some uh, formula romances that I'm going like, okay, you know, well, this is not really. There's no really what if in there. But. No, this is just a beach read. This is just a. I I don't. I want to turn my brain off for a few hours. <laughs> right. It's like I'm just going to read this through and 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 be done with it, so kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's what those kind of stories are for. It's just mm-hmm. for the the uh, small escape time. It's it's not the I want to wrap my head around a real a real meaty story. Um, mm-hmm. That's what speculative fiction is. It's uh-huh. it's, a, it's like where you read it and it's like you got to go and talk about it. You know. I yes. just want to go into. Got a guy. Got to go in this chat and find and talk to these other people about this because it's just blowing my mind. I got to. I got to talk to somebody about it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's a, that's a great, I have a feeling that's what your, your that's what your book is going to do. <laughs> I hope. I hope so. <laughs> I say I got to get in this chat and talk to these people because this is just blowing my mind. I got to talk to these people. That way, uh, they can they can say okay, yeah, they can see the story too, and so we can all talk about it. And uh, and that's the fun thing about uh, falling in love with certain books mm-hmm. is sharing them with others and and be all being in love with the same kind of story. But mm-hmm. 
again, don't stick us in a box. You know, we we, we want to read we want to read a lot of things. Yes, exactly. So, with that, I, I think we've gone over our time, but that's okay. Because mm-hmm. I enjoyed our time, as as you know, I, I asked one story, one question at the end of every of every uh, show, and so I'm going to ask you. Okay. Now that you have successfully slain the dragon, how will you celebrate? <laughs> um, I don't know. Probably, I, I probably peacefully with uh, chocolate. I mostly like chocolate. That's how I celebrate everything. <laughs> Good quality chocolate. I'm a chocolate snob. So <laughs> now we know something about her that we didn't know before. That's everybody's right. a different answer, so it's, it's it's always fun to ask that question because nobody answers the same way. <laughs> With that, oh. I really really enjoyed our time. Is there anything anybody? What are what do you have coming up that you want to tell us about before we leave here? Um, well, I'm I'm touring for um, uh, I'm touring straight through the end of August all over the place. If you go to my website, you can see the events. I've got um, I've got interviews. I'll be guest blogging. There'll be reviews, uh, a few ebook giveaways here and there. So, um, so my calendar is, is quite full right now. And um, so, you're not uh, writing anything right now, or are you? I, oh, no, I am. I am. I'm. I'm busy. I'm actually busily working on the rough draft of the last book in my Cassie Scott series. That's right. Um, awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm. Just reminding I'm, everybody. <laughs> right. Thank, yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, I'm more or less uh, halfway through my rough draft of it. And I'm making very good time. I'm feeling pretty confident that I will finish it this calendar year. So next calendar year, I will have to come up with something else to work on. But that'll be fun. Thank you. And with that, I want everyone to know what you're working on, and and um, also mm-hmm. where they can find you. And again, yep. everyone needs to know that your website is right on the chat, which is Christine Amsden, A M S D E N dot com. Mm-hmm. You've got, you've got all your things that you're going to be have coming up and all your marketing stuff and how to find you right on mm-hmm. your website. I know because I already all, look. It so. is all right there. I try to I try to put it all there. And again, um, down below that, you, Amazon.com, your your Kindle uh, mm-hmm. e-book is, is 99 cents right now. So you guys got to yep. click that and get your book now. Also at Barnes & Noble if you have a Nook. That's 99 cents too. I don't know about anywhere else. Nobody else. Mm-hmm. I don't. I am not personally aware of anyone else that has it on sale. But that covers most of the e-readers out there. That so. way, if we all we all get our books now, we'll be able to read it, and then I'll be able to get online with you guys and and talk about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Absolutely. So thank you so much for your time, Christine. Really nice meeting you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This was a this was a very nice interview. I appreciate yeah. it. Well, we talk as if we're sitting here chatting, and that's the whole idea. <laughs> that's what that's what I like to do. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, I'm going to say good night. You guys have a have a great rest of the evening. Okay. Good night. Good night. This is KWAD Radio, and this is Patty Hellstrand. And let me look up what see what we got going on. That way, you guys, I mean, you can definitely check on my. Uh, blog because I've got uh, a lot of things going on uh, locally and, of course, a lot of virtual book tour information. 
So there's got a lot of virtual bullet tours going on right now on my website. So you guys really need to get on there. I'm going to give you the uh, blog spot there so that way you can get on the calendar down below on the right-hand side, author events hosted by your media company, which is uh, what I'm working with right now. Um, other 2012 events, You've got upcoming blog tour and radio shows. You've got a lot of things going on. And, of course, you've got a book signing locally here in uh, Mesa, actually East Mesa. Uh, this Saturday is uh, at the Book Rack on Signal Butte Road from 11 in the morning to 2 in the afternoon. I have uh, JJM Zepp, or Jen is her real name. Author of Blackstrap's Ecstasy, which is a pirate book. So all those who love pirates are need to get down there uh, Saturday and July 21st from 11 in the morning to 2 in the afternoon. Come out and meet her and her book. She's got a second one who that's um, already being worked on. And uh, the on this particular uh, copy of the book, you also have the beginning of the second book. So that way you guys will know what's going on for the next book. And then a special vir virtual book feature, um, which is going to be really, really a lot of fun with Tony. And, uh, boy, I'm going to try his name, but I sure hope I don't, I don't uh, butcher it. It's full pen test. Volpentis. If I butcher your name, Tony, I'm sorry. I'm sure you, when I talk to you on on the radio show, which is going to be on August 2nd, that's Thursday, August 2nd, I will have the message. He's a local author also, which was surprising. It's, it's like, hey, Tony, um, you really got to get to know this guy. He's uh, he's awesome. He's going to be awesome. We've got a party going on. We have a book signing party with me on August 4th, and uh, we're going to be talking about, and that's again uh, out of the book rack, the Signal Beat Road, that'll be 11 to 2, and then that same afternoon from 5 to 8 or the evening, uh, Donald Jocks will be also out at the book rack uh, to do a book signing and talk about, and he's going to talk about uh, how he's an author space geek, okay, and he's author of The Handyman and Moonstone Ancestors and the Homestead Project, which is the 12 steps to a permanent lunar settlement. I obviously will be talking about the newspaper, uh, managing editor of Connotations, and also publisher CEO of AC Publishing Services. And of course, I have my own series, um, Chasing Time, which is Time Travel Romance. So I will be out at Signal View on August 4th. Before that, we've got the Poetry Slam, Copper State Poetry Slam, and I'm, I'm going, <laughs> I know that, that uh, certain people on Facebook are going, oh man, she's talking about us. Um, it's going to be an awesome, awesome weekend um, out at Casa Grande, Arizona, and the, poetry, the Copper State Poetry Slam Championship. Now, I've never been to one. And so it's going to be really interesting to, to go out and, and see that. I, I saw uh, some poetry slam at the Phoenix Comic Con and was real blown away by this room was was packed with all ages uh, and enjoying the poetry slam. So it's definitely something that, you know, any, any 
any uh, age range would really love to get into, including, you know, your young generation. So um, I'll be out there selling and also speaking in panels. I might be a host, we'll have to see, uh, for one of these slams. So that would be kind of fun. And uh, so that's going to be on Saturday, July 28th. Then we got the virtual book tours for change, uh, right here on Changing Face of Publishing blog. Uh, we got one you know, three or four times a week, so you definitely need to you know pick it up and take a look and find out when these things are. All these different people who I've got going on, including uh, our wonderful Christine, who you just got in um, listening to because she uh, that's where I found her was on the virtual book tour. She was one of those that I hosted for the virtual book tour, and that's why I said, hey, this is an interesting book that um, I didn't know about. And that's what's cool about uh, smaller companies, small, smaller publishers who can get these kind of niche books that uh, you know, the big publishers aren't seeing. And uh, I think it's a very interesting and very uh, you know, timely story Uh even though we, she said it in the future, it's not really that far in the future compared to where we are right now, which is 2012, where we were already very deep into uh, into the future that we had all first seen, you know, decades ago. So there's been a lot of change going to be fast and furious, I think. And uh, I really don't don't think that we're 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 really going to see a lot of these changes. And uh, some of them will be good and some of them will be scary. So we, with that, we all just need to be under, understanding and be able to read these things and be aware of the possibilities and really uh, what ifs. The what if story usually winds up being true, but it does, it's not true right away. It's true in the future. So if you really want to know and you know do some Readings instead of going to astrology, what you should do is pick up some science fiction books. Because if you go back in the in the history of science fiction, some of our long ago science fiction authors, timeline, uh, you know, Arthur C. Clarke, and obviously you know Isaac Asimov, have really paved the way for the future, and a lot of that has already happened. But there's still some things um, like Gazmov who uh, really pushed the idea of the robots. And we're not quite to his caliber yet, but we're getting there. So if you really want to know the future, you should stop reading the stars and actually read some science fiction. So with that, I'm going to say goodnight, and you guys have a great night. This is KWAD Radio, and this is Patty Hellstrand signing out.
Anybody forgot. <laughs>